Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Good. Didn't want to let me into the meeting today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the first time I've pressed that button. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a silly place to put a button when you press it the wrong, in the wrong time, you know. <laughs> Bound to happen one of these times, yeah. Yeah. So how you been? Uh, good. It's, it's been a busy week. Um, and I've also been trying to catch the a little bit of the winter olympics um so i stayed up late last night to watch figure skating that's really all i care about in any summer winter olympics i love figure skating i like gymnastics too but um i don't know i know a lot of people think the winter olympics are not as exciting but that is the sport that i always look forward to watching yeah it is interesting i just i mean it's on the tvs here but um you know, it just does, for some reason, it doesn't have the same um, interest for most people. Like, most people will be talking about the sprinting or the, you know, the, the field athletics. Whereas here, like, it's on the TV, but people are not even talking about it, which I find bizarre. Except for the Jamaican bobsledding team, which is back for the first time in 20 years or something ridiculous like that. Um, one of the guys actually goes to school with one of my mates in Sheffield. Uh, my friend works at the university. But the... Uh, one of the athletes is, is at oh, that's university fun. there. Yeah, yeah. So that brings it a bit, a bit closer because now you know someone potentially, you know, two degrees of separation, um, which I think is now the um, – it used to be six degrees of separation. I think we're down to about three degrees now if you consider the um, the way technologies have accelerated things with social media and that sort of thing. Oh, interesting. You mean just in general the degrees of separation have – yeah, so remember there was that there was that yeah, there was a study that came out years ago that you basically six degrees separated from, from Kevin Bacon or something. Mm-hmm. Um and now now I think someone was telling me on Saturday night that, that it's down to about three because of social media. Because you you know, you're not you're not necessarily friends with somebody that you meet on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever in a networking group, but you have like two sentences with them and all of a sudden you're friends. So now you're connected. So the, the relationships are not as strong. But now you are connected, um, which is an interesting way of looking at it because I, had, I hadn't really thought about that much uh, until he said it because there's lots of networks that I'm involved in where I've never met the person in my life. But now because I've been involved in a, ne- in a network and a topic, we chat every so often on WhatsApp on a one-to-one basis. Um, so we, we're like pseudo-friends, to put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, when I get back to the UK, we'll probably meet up for a beer, and that'll be like the most, like it'd be like one of those awkward blind date things because you know so much about each other, but you've never met each other face to face. You've never, you know, you don't know what you what you're meeting. Um, so yeah, well, that thought actually that ties in really well to something I was thinking we could talk about today, which is the experience of onboarding remotely. Because um, I don't mm. think we've really gone in depth on it, and we. 
both been in our new gigs for about a little over three months. Um, and I think it's something that with the great resignation still, uh, you know, churning away, I think there are a lot of people starting new roles remotely for the first time when they met, they have, um, not had that remote onboarding experience yet. They might've still been with their company that they were with pre pandemic. So I thought it could be interesting it's, to, yeah. That's, that's a great, that's a great topic because someone that, that I'm hiring, she comes in next Monday. She's, she's making a huge effort to listen to all these episodes. Um, so I won't mention it by name because I haven't got her permission, but <laughs> she can, she can take that as a hello. Um, and she's going to go through that experience now. And I can, I can give you my view from, from a hiring point of view as well as, as, as a uh, onboarding. But let's start with your thoughts first. Yeah. So I guess, you know, um, what, you, what, were you re- what you were just saying around relationships and the difficulty of kind of meeting people um, in a more, I guess, uh, connected in a deeper way. Um, through like online networking groups and then having the eventual experience of meeting them in person and being kind of awkward about it. I feel like that relates to what I, how can I, how I feel about the, the worst part of um, the whole remote experience for me, which is uh, the difficulty forming relationships and the kind of uncertainty of when you'll meet in person. But I think that's the hardest thing is just building your network remotely um Mm. and even just kind of getting uh those office I know we've talked about office friendships in the past um and how that's more challenging in a remote world I think it just takes longer to build those relationships I'd love to hear kind of what maybe you have done to to try to do that because for me the most effective way I found of doing that is to have more meetings to have more one-on-ones like informal chats and I think that's the best way to do it, but it also means you're putting more meetings on the calendar. So, yeah, and and that's exactly what I do, um, and it's exhausting. Um, you know, you and and I've you know I've been fortunate in this in this uh, role. I knew a lot of people before I came in, so it those those one to ones were for a large part catching up with someone that I'd spoken to you know five years ago or three years ago or who I'd always been friends with. So it was kind of like kind of just joking about me moving across um, in other organizations. And, and I've typically in the last 10 years worked for global organizations. So people are a little bit more geared for it. Um, and in fact, Shell uh, has a really nice thing. They call them, uh, it's got an acronym, kind of acronym is called now. But when you join, they say you need to go and do this acronym, whatever it is. And basically that means you got to, they give you a list of people to go and speak to. And some of those people be peers, some of those people be more senior, some of those people be more junior. But it's to give you some people to talk to that that are not going to be immediate working people. And it's kind of randomized in some respects. Um, so one of my goals when I join a new company is to meet as many people as possible doing that um, that one-to-one thing. But I don't do them for like long, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Because um, booking half an hour, even you know, some guys book an hour. I, I think that's 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 terrible. It's like dating; you don't take the the, the date out for the first time for more than coffee because you want to have a, you know low investment, um, low risk for both sides. The minute you commit to a dinner and, and a movie, um, you know the pressure is really on both of you, and then you both 
both feel uncomfortable. So it's the same thing, you know, 15 minutes, quick chat. Who are you? What do you do? Um, you know, we're, we're, bit about your family maybe or some personal stuff so you've got something to talk about. And then, you know, follow up again in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've been very bad with that in some places and some places really good at it. But uh, I find that works. Um, and I also draw a map. I've got a, a mind map of all the people that I've met and where they fit. And I find that really helps, um, especially like now where I'm accelerating on some projects. I know the people who do that job now. So when, when they say, oh, I speak to so-and-so, I'm like, oh, well, I already met so-and-so. They know me. So they're like, oh, so I'm surprised you know them. And it, it just makes it easier to, to have that first work, work conversation because now there's already a frame of reference for both of you. And um, a little bit of trust has developed too. So it helps, generally speaking. Yeah, I, um, I tend to rely a lot on form charts. <laughs> to figure figure all of that out but that you know uh, I think that's one thing that um, really helps if an organization keeps that up to date in a remote setting so you're not because uh, I you know you're not sending out emails and not getting responses because you just don't know who's still at the company or, yeah, yeah. So, so the org chart helps but but I find it's not so much the org chart that I'm looking for it's mm. I spoke to you because of this person mentioning you mm. Which, which yeah. sometimes will be the boss in most cases it is, but often, you know, you, and you'll find this in um, in many places, and, and there's a very good book, uh, Team of Teams, that I know I've recommended a few times, and they talk about it where the U.S. military had to change the way they fought in Afghanistan, um, which now is kind of sad how that all ended up, but um, the they were very hierarchical, and decisions took too long. And information didn't flow and, you know, various other problems. And what ended up working for them was becoming much more networked. Uh, and it's the same premise, as much as you have a hierarchy. And, and I think you need a hierarchy for, for HR things. Um, but it's really about the networks. And, you know, if I speak to Joe, Joe tell me speak to Tim, Tim will tell me speak to Peter. Um, Peter's the guy you want to talk to because he gets stuff done. And that's almost a reputational network um, in the same way that's, um, you want always want to know who the who the go to people are. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the hard things about about doing this all remotely as well is is because you're not seeing people and it can just take longer to get to the person you really need to talk to who has the subject matter expert on that point. So, you know, the quicker you can get through to that person, the better. But that's that's where I use the org chart as I if it's something, you know, where I'm not sure I might start there and then eventually you'll get <laughs> tossed around to the right person, but not, um, it, it, it'd be preferable to, uh, I guess the, the longer, the longer you're at a company, the more, um, time you spend, you have a better and better idea of who to go to people. Are. I think that's natural, but I think it just takes maybe a little bit longer in the remote sense as well. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So what else do you want to talk about in the onboarding process? Mm, well, I thought, you know, we could talk about any maybe technology or productivity tools or if there's anything like that that you found helpful. And then we could also talk about that in the context of onboarding team members um, because I do have experience as well with that in the past, um, trying to craft onboarding plans um, and I've used some uh, project management tools for that. So I'm curious 
how you've handled it and um, kind of how how to treat um, new members onboarding remotely and kind of what's needed there that maybe is a little bit more uh, is different than in the in-person sense. Yeah, look, it's not something that I've, I've been known to be good at, um, but I have worked on it really hard. Um, and, and I've been fortunate my last two roles, I've had the autonomy to bring in the tools that I've wanted to use as opposed to being forced to use some corporately chosen stripped back version of a product that's usually stripped back so far that it's it's not even useful. Um, and, and my case in point example of this is Jira. It's a good tool, but you can never use it properly uh, in a corporate. Um, anyway, so, so what I do is, you know, when I come in, there, there needs to be a central knowledge place. Um, so I use Notion as my tool of choice. Um, and initially what I will do is I will start consuming the information that, that, you know, this is me coming on board, so I'm consuming what, what is important, and I start building out a framework from there. Um, and that becomes the teaching tool for people that join the team or even the team itself. So in my current role, I've had to take on people that, that have all done a specific job for a period of time. Now we're doing it a different way. Uh, I've needed to give them direction. So Notion has become the, the central point for that. Um, you know, it's a generally good tool for a lot of things. And, and one of the reasons I like it is it's flexible enough that if we need to change the process, we just change the process. There's no, there's no, you know, back and forth with a developer or anything like that because it's really just a bunch of Excel spreadsheets tied together with relationships, which if you look at how most businesses are run, it's Excel. Um, and that includes, even though they have a big SAP or a big CISPRO or whatever it is, People still extract all the data out to Excel, they manipulate it and they send that around. Um, so Notion gets us away from that. Plus it can do some of the other things that we'd want to do like with Word documents and PowerPoints. In fact, I'm running a program now and the entire Steerco briefing pack is in Notion as pages. So, you know, my ability to update it is, is really quick because it's updating of live information. And that's, that's a huge thing. So what happens there is that Notion is the brain. Um, I've got a new person starting on Monday, so I've actually been looking at this. And her first day is going to be all about how to use Notion uh, and how to navigate our, our book of knowledge, really. And then he'll give her there's – there's actually a single page because we run a um, an overarching process. And, and, I, and I treat my division as a, as, a t, as a business itself. We have one core process to delivery. This one page articulates the entire thing end to end and it's and it's treated like a wiki so anyone can come in and update or improve on it etc but it's it's the backbone of the team so when she starts on monday that's where she's going to start um the other thing that i do is every meeting we have about what we do we record now most times people go back to the recordings but because of the time zone differences it actually is hugely useful for guys that are in a different time zone. So I'm, I'm unfortunately in the middle. So I end up attending most calls, you know, early morning and late night. But there are people that are like in India or the US that, that can't do both. So they at least can watch the video if they have to. And, and if there's something that needs to be looked at, then I'll put a message in the, in, in the chat and say, you know, so-and-so, please check out this video. There's something important here for you to watch. And I don't, I don't necessarily give them a timestamp because I can't remember the timestamp. But also, I think they should watch it from the beginning. or And they can watch it at 2x the speed. So an hour-long conversation or half an hour. And most of my meetings are short anyway, half an hour, maximum 45 minutes. Um, they can get through to 22 minutes. 
um, and find the thing that, that that I wanted them to look at. So I think so. So that's where the technology definitely helped me. Um, so video recording. Uh, we're using Teams for our instant c- collaboration. Um, so I've got Teams set up for everything that we work on, an actual channel. Uh, that's something that I got from Tom Abernoff uh, when he was on, that you have a team channel for per project. So we have that. Now, each team's channel has its own document storage location. So all our documents for that thing go there. Uh, all the chats go there. And the team is set up in such a way that I just add people to it as we involve them. And that starts creating that network. So everyone, everyone who's added there can see what we're doing in there. They can comment and add, et cetera. Because what you don't want to have is that you, you create an isolated team. You want to rather create a team that, that, that um, is, is expanding as you move on uh, to progress. So, so Notion has links to all those things. Um, we have um, in, the, in the actual Notion, we have all our task management. And they've got some nice tools. Nice tools. They're not the best, but you can see visually what's going on. Uh, and obviously, you can start assigning tasks for work to be done. So, the thing that I'm putting in for my new person on Monday um, is a set of delivery tasks for her to go through to get herself up to speed. So, there's certain videos she has to watch. So, she'll watch maybe the last week worth of of um, meetings we've had as videos. There's some training she'll have to do. Uh, on the products because we're a technical product, so there's a need to watch those. Uh, and basically, the first week will be dumping as much information on her as possible, um, with a, a need to, um, you know, spend some time with her, ask, answering any questions. And I would just answer. I'll have the team answer them. So, you know, I'll, I'll again have her a list of people she needs to meet with, and get a sense of of what's going on. Um, and as, as much as you do this, you're still only expecting someone to be effective probably a month later, um, you know, to, to a maximum of three months later, depending on how technical the role is. Um, the other things that, that are important, obviously, there's, there's a time period to onboard. There's time for the IT guys to create accounts, to, you know, order laptops, get those things provisioned and send, shipped across. Um, so in theory, come Monday morning, all that stuff will be in in place. Um, having not done this before here, I don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll find out on, on Monday. Yeah, I think that's always um, a possibility with the, the, the IT setup kind of ends up taking most of the first day and that you're just trying to get into uh, the tools to start actually having the chats and everything. So um, that's part of it too. But no, I think... Um, you know, one of my thoughts on this as well, and why I wanted to talk about it is I feel like there's um, just more attention to be placed on the onboarding process in a remote sense, because it's almost like it's easier to kind of get lost, I think, um, when you're not just physically visible. I think there's just something about, you know, um, not, not being you know, you're at the, the your your desk in the office and you go through your HR papers and you go through your videos and people are walking around and checking in on you. And not that that can't obviously happen with um, tools like Teams, but it just is easier, I think, to get a little bit um, less visibility. So that's where I think the onboarding, having uh, really solid onboarding plans is super helpful so that no one's ever stuck thinking what do I do next? You know, they have an expectation for when they're very new that here are some things I can go do here. I can self-serve if there's a, 
you know, a lull. Um, I can go reach out to this person. I know they need to be a part of my network. I think just outlining that is all very helpful. Um, I've been through it just in like a Google Sheets or a Word doc. I've had the onboarding plans that way. Um, I designed one for a, a colleague previously uh, using Trello. And I liked that. And I think she liked it too. But uh, what was nice about that is I could, um, I pinned like a set of cards for need to know sort of information. Here's your IT mm. contacts, your important contacts, here's your HR links, like here's basically everything you um, will need. And then uh, just kind of moving forward uh, for, for links and contacts and stuff like that. And then um, I had day by day, a set of things that she could go look at uh, some external training courses that she could um, onboard through. Cause she was shifting in from a different industry and um so she could kind of check things off as as they were done which gave me visibility into where she was at in the plan as well um so i I think tools like that can be uh a little bit maybe nicer to use than um just doing it through like a like word but um you know whatever works well look well look to have something is more important than not having something for sure, yeah. um, you know, we've got we've got bamboo which which sends you emails. I've got a whole bunch of emails today about things that I need to do, mm-hmm. um, and tick those things off. So those tasks are, are defined. But I think that's fine for the general stuff. I think in each team and what you're doing is, is spot on. You know, you, you have something that that gives them a, a good feel for their first week. Um, you know, when when you have uh, that that the first that first week enthusiasm. You don't want to lose it by giving it a, a poor experience, and and um, you know it's, it's not only about the social aspects of it, but it's also the technology that you're providing a person. So when they come in day one, you want the user account to be ready, you want the device to be ready, you want the not necessarily the access that they want, but the applications they need ready. Uh, and then if they need to go request access, okay, there's only, they have to do it themselves because that, that requires their you know username, password, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you want them to know that they have to do that stuff and, and not, you know, I remember working, um, I can't remember which bank it was, but but I got in there and, and I had my, my user account like the first day and guys were surprised. They're like, wow, it normally takes them two weeks to give you the user account and, you know, and, and a device and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know, you know, my expectation is to get it the day you arrive. Um, so, so you, you know, it, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. But but it does it does make a big difference to perception of the business if you can do that stuff well. Yeah, and I think that's really critical for organizations to get right in this really hot job market. Is if that first month doesn't really feel right, um, it's easier than ever for someone to kind of start questioning and, and looking elsewhere. Um, one thing I wanted to t- chat about too, and I'm curious if you've had any good experiences doing anything like this, but are just how to have how to have fun and team build in a remote setting. Um, I've done um, you know different happy hours and informal chats, and I find if you get more than three people on a call like that, it's it's really awkward and hard to kind of manage a flow of conversation. But it's just recreating that kind of. Um, you know, celebratory sort of atmosphere is a challenge oh, I'm, as well. I'm, I'm probably the worst person for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, 
and not for no other reason that, you know, if I look at my day, and then this is very selfish of me, my day is so rammed and I'm trying to get so much done between kids going to school and kids coming home. It's all about the operational get stuff done mindset. Um, but that's not to say we don't celebrate wins and, and all the rest of it. You know, if we've delivered, like we've delivered a whole bunch of stuff now, you know, we, we recognize it and we, we, you know, promote that we've done it, but then we move on. Um, I, I just personally can't see, you know, I've heard of guys doing like one company that I consult to, they do a daily quiz, which the team gets together and someone sets the quiz up and they, they basically run a quiz every thing and it's all, you know, general stuff. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, but, I, but I sometimes think um, I'd rather I'd rather do something more constructive with that time with the people you work with. And when we can travel the rest of it, then you do more meetups and face-to-face stuff and, and then you go bowling or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and the problem with that stuff is there's always somebody that's going to moan about it. Um, so you just got to pick the things that are, um, I'd say, middle of the line. Uh, so you, you don't have to be, you know, you've got all types of physicalities, you've got all types of confidence levels. Um, you know, the last couple of things I've been on, which has been bowling and all the rest of it, the bowling was okay. But the, actually the fun part was the dinner afterwards or the, the, the walk and the talk between the bowling alley and the restaurant and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you just you just need to get people out of the thing. I mean, I, I did one, which I thought was quite good. Uh, I didn't get to finish, unfortunately, because of a, a medical issue at home. But we did one of the museums in London, and we basically did like a, a um, what do you call it? Uh, you navigate it like a treasure hunt sort of thing, oh, and you wow. had to work out. You know, there was clue, there was clues and all that kind of stuff. And that was that was a great team team building thing because there you've got you know all sorts of senior people mixing with junior people, and and you start seeing the characters come out, especially when someone like we had a couple of people that were quite. Um, the history buffs and arguing about you know some Egyptian knowledge that they had versus someone else's on it. And I mean, you know, you take what you can out of it. It was it was I love museums, so it was fun just to walk around the museum. I could quite happily just walk around the museum and not worried about the the actual treasure hunt. But uh, you know, like I said, that I think I think we have to go back to those are the things I think you still need to do in person. Um, but there's nothing wrong with celebrating birthdays, nothing wrong with, with having the odd quiz thing or with something straightforward like that. Um, I know some guys do do the wine drinking on a Friday, um, but, you know, I'm in Joburg now. If, if I get time on a Friday afternoon, I'm going to the bush. I'm not going to hang around for a, for a video conference call to drink wine. Yeah, I can't, can't fault you there. Well, I know you need to tie up. Uh, so. Yeah. Good chatting. Thanks for that. You too. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.